the work week, am I right? But do you know what would make it a little bit better? Doing church on a Sunday and then listening to a podcast about the sermon. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, a production of Liberty Church Collingswood. Each week we'll spend some time unpacking Sunday sermonics, and we hope that you'll be able to connect a little deeper with the message and the messenger. It's a win, if we can make your work week a little less blue. House lights down. Welcome to the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem. We're here after a longer period of time. Yes. I can't remember the last time I talked to you. December, last year. Happy 2023. Wait, really? Was it that? We, have been, we haven't even been back since then. Yeah. It feels like we have. Hmm. No. I guess I have talked to you, literally, <laughs> between December now. How was your Just vacation? Just a few times. Um, I'm icing my foot right now. Oh. Um, some people know that I have a foot sprain, not to be confused with an ankle sprain, which many people just assume. No, I somehow managed to um, damage my foot while tripping on a sidewalk curb <laughs> at the beginning of your last week of sabbatical, which was supposed to be the like very restful end point after a very stressful season for you. <laughs> I, I just want to give a shout out to the Mexican healthcare system that ended up being really, really great. And yeah, it was far efficient, more cost polite. E- efficient, cost effective. You know, I was really impressed. Although getting there, figuring out where to go was quite stressful. For you, I mean, I was just sitting there in excruciating pain. <laughs> so less stress, more pain. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I was but the opposite. You did great. Thank my, you. My partner in crime, you were, you were very <laughs> flexible in um, devoting some of your sabbatical to taking care of your wife. That is true. And if the Five Golden Things podcast with oh, my injuries right. dropped, I was able to put my... That's true. Extensive and awesome injury history to work in nursing your foot. Right. So I'm actually just catching up because you, your five golden things remind, reminded me that you've had far more injuries than I have. That and is so true. Maybe I shouldn't feel so bad about my, like, <laughs> one little injury here. One, what's one little That's injury? affecting you where, like, I'm sure your parents had to deal with so much more than, like, you've, you've been, you've had to give to our kids, for example. Like, you've, you've, like, taken, you took Micah. That mica injury, and then what else? Like you've really not, not had to do anything. Yeah, like so. my, my parents were champion <laughs> sports doctor aficionados. Right, they had to shuttle you all over the place. Anyway, um, yeah, that was a good five golden things. I loved, I loved especially how um, worried that Pat was because I could oh, see that, that I was going to share too much. <sighs> Pat, Pat legal. <laughs> I felt very, Pat very great. was nervous. I felt very simpatico with that. <laughs> Although I have less life's edge. I feel like I have less uh, fear of shutting you down, at least in podcast territory. So, so for Pat Legal to get where you are, sorry, vice versa. For Pat, Le- yeah, for Pat Legal to get where you are, he just needs needs to become a lot more calloused and resigned to the whole situation. I wouldn't say resigned, um, calloused, maybe. And then, yeah, in live situations, I am yeah. more nervous. <laughs> I like it. Edge of our seats. So, Anything can happen, We are people. We're talking in vagaries, but um, yeah, go check out Pat and Jim. It's the other power duo <laughs> this podcast network. I am a man of many power duos. Um, anyway, 
uh, we've been bantering enough, I think. So let's move on to call it Stormy Monday. You finally were here, finally preaching a sermon, sermon this January. Yeah, so it was nice to have back-to-back Sundays off to begin the new year on January 1st and January 8th. And as I said during the sermon, this is a mini-series that constitutes a first ever for the Liberty Communion. We are all preaching basically the same sermons around this time. Right. I felt like you didn't totally explain that during the sermon. Like you gave the like preface that you were going to, you were going to, you're going to talk about it at the eight minute mark. But I, I feel like I either blanked out during the eight minute mark or I felt like you just glanced over it, but didn't actually, um, give a whole kind of thing about it. I was also thinking, what if like somebody doesn't fully understand that and they listen to multiple Liberty sermons and then they feel like someone's plagiarizing and they get into this whole like, why are they preaching the same sermon? Should I tell like somebody that like, yeah, um, plagiarism with sermons is yeah, a thing. that Jim Anger is plagiarizing John Alexander. Like, well, <laughs> well the good news is that I self plagiarized this this past <laughs> Sunday sermon. Although we did note, Eric Mitchell and I met this afternoon, and we made sure that for the next two sermons, so Eric Mitchell, this coming Sunday is going to be preaching a sermon that Matt Harmon wrote from mm-hmm. Liberty Mainline. And I'll be preaching a sermon that Vito Baldini, our regional director of Mercy and Justice Ministry, wrote. And we're going to be explicit in saying this sermon came from Matt, and then this right. sermon came came from Vito. Yeah, but a, a yeah, break t- it down a little more. A tiny bit of backstory: a group of Liberty pastors went and hung out in Oklahoma City last year. Steve Huber is very good friends with the lead pastor at Frontline Church, where the bros go. Okay, where. The, <laughs> Where the bros go, yeah. There, the there pastor, are some... the really cool pastor bros. Yeah, I can't, uh, <laughs> you know, our our Halloween's are wondering what what do pastors do when they go and get together for for days on end? Who knows? But Frontline Church in Oklahoma City, a really great church. We've taken a couple trips down there. Various combinations of Liberty pastors. We've we found that there are a lot of church staffs that go to conferences a lot, but. Mm. We tend to find more value in visiting churches that we have relationships with that are bigger and more developed than we are so that we can learn from churches that have gone up a couple of steps and in some ways constitute where we want to be. Even though Liberty Community of Churches is not a carbon copy of frontline churches in Oklahoma, but they are a single congregation with maybe as many as five or six different sites, Mm -hmm. all centrally governed, which is different from how the Liberty Churches do it. But one of the things that they do at Frontline is that the lead pastor, and they have, and tell me if this job doesn't sound great, like a full-time scholar in residence that just pumps out content all the time. Is that really the name? Scholar in residence? Uh, Something like that. So primarily those two guys with some others, not always, but periodically, they will write a series of sermons that will be preached at those individual congregations by the respective pastors there. And yes, they cite that this comes from Mm -hmm. Frontline Central, and that gave me and Matt Harmon the idea of flying back, hey, one of the most duplicative forms of labor within the Liberty Communion churches is that for our 10 or so congregations, there are every Sunday 10 pastors writing 10 different sermons. Mm What if, as a pilot project, we could take a page from Frontline Church and the way that I've described it and pitched it to our churches is, 
like a Blue Apron meal, and you don't personally like Blue Apron meals. I the, the, to do. <laughs> those meals in, in boxes. But as far as I know, we've never, oh, maybe, maybe only got a Blue Apron meal once as a gift from somebody else. But they, they send you all of the ingredients, they give you the instructions, and you just have to cook it up. So that's what we wanted to do with these three sermons where we have on a Google Drive for three sermons each, there is an audio version of the sermon, a full manuscript, a detailed outline, and then fourthly, a page with additional resources and notes. And we just gave them to all of our churches and said, around this time, in connection with Communion Sunday, go ahead and preach these three sermons, and then we're going to solicit feedback and ask, hey, was this helpful? Did it save you work to Mm -hmm. not have to write from scratch these three sermons? And then also from a or Unity perspective. <laughs> well, we we will see. Uh, or from a communion perspective, was it uh, was it good? Did it feel good to have unified messages coming out across the community of churches? And right. every liberty church is a little bit different from one another. And pastors are free to language these sermons, modify whatever they feel like they need to modify, Add change out the jokes. jokes. <laughs> exactly. Wait, did you did you actually include jokes in your outline for people, or did you like? Say insert joke here. <laughs> uh, kind of neither. So I I wrote this first sermon. I mean, you didn't really way back in December, it wasn't and funny. yeah. So so I didn't. <laughs> the when I was writing the sermon, I made sure not to use any personal sorts of stories or illustrations where except your Philly fandom. The that 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 was not in the original uh, manuscript uh, and audio recording that I sat and just talked through in this very desk with this very microphone because I hadn't preached it yet. And yeah, but wanted people to take it in whatever directions they would want to go. I mean, as a former teacher, I was using curriculum that was written by someone else like every single day. So yeah, I think it's, I think it's uh, worth a shot and it could be really interesting. Yeah, worth a try. And Um, so, so then the question was, well, what do we want to, if we're going to do some shared sermons and we got buy-in from the lead team, what, how many sermons, what topic, mm-hmm. and three seemed like a good starting point. If it's just Child. one sermon that's just a one-off, mm-hmm. we're not going to get enough data back from that, but then we don't want to ask churches right off the bat to commit to like a 10 or 12 sermon series. And if three felt about, right, hey, what do you know? Our mission statement for all the Liberty Churches divides into three. Mm-hmm. We want to live, number one, speak, number two, and serve, number three, is a very presence of Jesus in all of these locations that God has placed us. Okay. Well, you're going in a very pra- practical explanation of everything, yeah. but like, you know, when Tell me what you when, want. when somebody when somebody like me thinks about sermon writing as it would be different from like teaching high school social studies right. and curriculum, um, like what is the spiritual dimension of how you planned out this series with other people? So we just what are you asking there I, no, I'm just I'm saying, not like, sure. like for me the ser- a sermon is like a direct god using you as an instrument of mm-hmm. message so like what were the dimensions that um that you felt uh like the question is like where are you excited to see god what what are you excited to see god doing with your message like, oh, i see did you have a bigger picture for how God could use this type of delivery and like, did were you praying through the like multiple congregations yes. versus 
Right. So flesh out that yes. Okay. So two things. <laughs> One, in the course of sermon writing and preparation and editing on a week-to-week basis, there there's always a prayer component where if I'm stuck and don't know which way to go in a sermon or even more broadly, uh, there's kind of a constant pattern of prayer. God, what do you want me to say this week? What What do people need to hear? And then as a sermon becomes more formed on a given week, I'll pray that what I've put together would, would make an impact in people's lives. Sometimes I pray specifically for people, which I hope doesn't sound too creepy, but hey, we're talking about hope and consolation in the gospel. Family X is dealing with a lot of pain and suffering right now. Mm-hmm. Would they come or watch online this week? And would they find comfort from what's said? So sure. Uh, that that sort of thing, or occasionally, if I perceive that there's some repentance that needs to take place mm-hmm. for people, uh, but I certainly need to repent of a ton of stuff too. So the prayer for writing this sermon and the series was, Lord, what what do we need to hear as a communion of churches? Sure. And then uh, part of the anxiety of a sermon like this is writing with multiple congregations in mind, uh, Lord. Would this sermon be sufficiently focused on one hand, but versatile on the other, that it can make an impact across different congregations? Uh, when there is some shared DNA for Liberty Churches, but the ministry context where all of, all of our churches are mm-hmm. are crazy different from one another. Right. So one set well, of know, questions, Philly struggles, struggles <laughs> objections from one congregation would be completely different from 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 other ones even you know as we hope that liberty glassboro comes online Mm -hmm. this coming ministry year ted jordan and i joke about while our churches are only like 25 minutes apart from each other but they are completely (laughs) in terms Mm of 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 ministry context so so praying that the sermon would still would not be so bland and abstract that it wouldn't have any teeth but not so incredibly over specific that this really is just a sermon for Collingswood and not more broadly. And then also with the second part of things, I forgot what I was going to say with number two. Um, uh, yep. That's all I got. Uh, the, the, <laughs> well, the connected, process. Right, connected to the next part, presence of the Lord. So how mm-hmm. did you come up with this Bible passage or where did it arise flow out? Yeah. So, so that was, Oh, I remember the other thing. And then I'll talk, talk to this question. That one of the interesting things, and this does bring us into Sun Studios, Presence of the Lord, living, speaking, and serving, if those are the three parts, if you want to put it that way, of our mission statement as a very presence of Jesus, speaking is fairly straightforward and understandable. Serving is fairly straightforward. I got a little nervous after I had committed to doing the live part mm-hmm. of the mission statement. It's kind of, It's broad. kind of funny. What does that even mean? Right. <laughs> like if, and it's more broad and it's right. more contextual to your specific neighborhoods, yep. probably. Yeah. So, so I felt some challenge there and also some intrigue where and I got feedback from other pastors about this before I sent the sermon out. Hopefully it went okay and they sufficiently liked it. But a couple of pastors asked me, Jim, what are you going to say for the live sermon? That and how how is that separate from speaking and serving? So that mm-hmm. was an interesting challenge. And then because this is not a sermon series where we had predetermined scripture passages, the prayer was, God, bring me to a Bible. Because we didn't want this to be a topical sermon per mm-hmm. se. So all of our sermons have like a primary scripture text behind them for the most part. 
God, bring me to a passage that would address, in one way or another, living as the very presence of Jesus in our neighborhoods as a facet of mission. I mean, I feel like that's all over the place. I think the issue more is like narrowing it down. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's in the afternoon, my coffee. That's okay. My coffee has expired, but... I would think that there was like, who came up with this anyway? Like Huber, like <laughs> this isn't tied somewhere with like lots of different Bible references. Uh, <laughs> this mission statement. The answer is no. <laughs> I found out the answer is no. I bet it was originally. Anyway, sure. I mean, it's on some like it was on some spread, not like some giant poster. Yeah, that's fair. Somewhere. Right. Um, but pretty early so specifically, on. Specifically, how did you come to Philippians two? So I did not have other candidate passages in mind that I winnowed down to this one. This was the first one that came to mind for me. And I thought, huh, I wonder if that middle part of Philippians 2 could work. And then I did some reading, did some studying about the passage and said, yeah, I think, I think, I think we have a winner already. So it was a lot more efficient. I was worried about Hey, I'm gonna to have to find a passage. This could take a lot of hours. This is the favorite pass- the passage of parents, I think. Really? The oh, do all things without grumbling and complaining. <laughs> it's my favorite passage. <laughs> We've used we use that with our kids when they were younger. Yeah, until for you, sure. Until you realize that you also grumble and complain. You meaning me, meaning yeah. you as a parent. We all do. But the so do all things without grumbling and complaining. That the verse that caught my eye was the one right after that, verse 15, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. So that that was the key where there is a call to obedience, holding fast to the word of life, beginning of verse 16, Mm -hmm. a call to Christian obedience with a reference to outsiders. And that's what I was looking for for a passage. And it was found here. So obedience is not just for the insider, but we're called to live faithfully before not only the living Lord, but also before our our friends and neighbors as a part of the missional call of the church. Okay. And what did you, like, after landing on this, what were the things that um, felt more challenging about it? No, nothing? Just fell together? No, that's that's a good question. Uh, Part of it, Em, is I, so I wrote the sermon over a month ago, and the preparation process is less clear, less clear in my mind when usually it's only a few days ago. The, the challenge was connecting contexts of, um, how does this look, how does this work in a contemporary context, Uh, but then also, um, there was a specific book that unlo- that unlocked the process for me. I think it's right. Uh, are you, people that are watching the podcast live on YouTube can see <laughs> meaning no, no a, one. <laughs> a light to the name. Do, do you see this book I'm pointing to right behind me? Michael, I go guess. Uh, so back in 2012, one of my first scouting trip up here to potentially plant Liberty Collingswood was in the spring of 2012 when our 11 years ago. Yeah, crazy when there was just a mutual exploration process, would I be a good fit to plant Liberty Collingswood? So I came and met with a lot of Liberty people at that point, and then also it was a city classes meeting, or maybe that was my second trip up there. I'd have to go back and check. Uh, so our denominational connection to city classes in the RCA, Michael Goheen, a scholar 
who lives in Arizona, was the keynote speaker, and he talked about the mission of the church as being central to all of the scriptures. Mm -hmm. And this book, Light to the Nations by Michael Goheen, walks you through step by step to say that always, always, always the purpose of the church living faithfully, and this is language that I got from Goheen, the church is always called, and even the people of God in the Old Testament, to be both a showcase people and a preview people. So one of the main callings of Israel was to quote unquote, be a light to the nations. And they were called to live faithfully under Yahweh in such a way that the nations would see the, the beauty of that life and go back to see the beauty of their one true God. And then that's the showcase part and then preview whether Old Testament or now the church is supposed to live out the future of God's completely renewed creation in the present, which is a tall order. Right. And that's why it challenges our faith that bozos like us be God's vehicle of rescue and redemption for the world. But that's God's design. I talked about that in the, in, in the introduction. And mm -hmm. so when Paul, or Paul had never read Michael Goheen, but when Paul talks about <laughs> shining forth in this generation uh, as stars in the sky, it's the same idea behind it that he's calling the little church in Philippi and challenging to think I, I left this out of the sermon. So I just skip ahead. But, um, uh, people need to realize that like Liberty Collingswood is bigger than the church at Philippi. Um, right. and, and so, uh, there was probably I've, estimates off the top of my head, maybe 40 people or less at, at the mm. church at Philippi mm -hmm. <laughs> being told not, not to grumble and complain. There's this whole idea that most of Philippi is not Christian, and as there's this tiny band of disciples in a church planted by Paul a couple years earlier, you Philippians are called to be the to live, speak, and serve as the very presence of Jesus in in Philippi. You've got to shine. Mm -hmm. Hence nice. Philippians chapter two. Great, nice. Um... Connected to that, then I guess moving on to muddying the waters, um, sure. unless you have something else. Or just, just, just to mention that one of the key interpretive things that makes this passage go is the scriptural allusions to Deuteronomy 32 and Daniel 12. The cool thing about Daniel 12, which is alluded to in that verse, also has that Christian obedience as Christian mission idea behind it. Daniel 12:3 there. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. So living under God turns others to righteousness, <coughs> just like fandom. Right. There was your fandom, your fandom illustration that I thought worked really well, but um, is that something that's a reference and not, a, <laughs> not for this section? We'll let's, talk about let's it later. Let's save it. little teaser. Um, mudding the waters, um, moving on from that, that like broad, um, how this, how this passage was um, addressing the kind of the, the message of the mission statement of the church. Yeah. Um, what were the specific ways that this passage um, was going to address like our specific churches, our specific community. Right. The front and center question was, or answer to that question, M, is the query that I posited right at the beginning of the sermon. Do you agree or disagree with the statement? Mm -hmm. What the world needs today is more Christians. Right. It's a great, that was a great 
introduction introductory Thanks. question because um yeah i think we viscerally like kind of feel the our our own hearts answer which is no <laughs> maybe not i mean with uh, there's a lot of qualifications because i think yeah. i can jump definitely to yes sure. but um yeah, yeah, which which to me is fascinating, even as I tried to take my own pulse when I was weighing that statement in preparation for the sermon. What the world needs is more Christians. Mm-hmm. Do most of our secular friends and neighbors think that? Not at all. Right. And then around the world, persecution, marginalization of Christians is so high that the people that are doing the persecution and marginalization are probably not saying what the world needs is more Christians right. because Actively. they're being squelched. Mm-hmm. But then, even for me, um, like I get nervous when Christians are in the headlines. Maybe, maybe mm-hmm. I shouldn't. Maybe I'd have to interrogate myself. Is some of that being ashamed of the gospel? Potentially. And I need to grow out of that. But a lot of it is being ashamed of other Christians, right? Mm-hmm. Because they yeah. do such, such crazy things. And like, do we need more people doing crazy things? Probably not. But that's precisely the challenge point where I was trying to uncover my own and other Christians' cognitive dissonance where would we agree with the statement that Christians need to be on mission? Mm -hmm. Yes, obviously. But then do we likewise agree that what the world needs is more Christians? Then the answer is kind of, well, that would make us nervous. Those two statements in principle contradict each other right so if we believe one of them we need to believe in the other so let's press ahead for the goodness and value of christian mission that involves every aspect of our lives right um so that that does seem central it does seem central to how all liberty churches were are facing things um what's your next point (laughs) so the the whole idea there was and i think this affects what Christians and non-Christians might think or feel at this point, if the people that follow Jesus cultivate fruit of the Spirit, so 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 here's the central change of question that I think makes it makes a big difference. What the world needs is more Christians. Oh, we're not so sure. But what if you change the statement to what the world needs is more people that are full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, I think a much higher number of people would say, yes, actually, yes. And so we need to be people that lean into cultivating the fruit of the Spirit. And does that mean that Joe and Jane Christian will be on the same page with Joe and Jane secular person on everything about life, the universe, and everything? Of course not. But also, Christians can be the ones that disagree with that disengaging. And, right. and that's something that I think is very needed for, for this moment. Right. And then you also kind of addressed the context of post-pandemic um, Christians or humans, the, yeah. the, circle of, um, the circle of care that people have is shrinking and the circle of outrage is growing. Yeah, I've, I've used that, that concept at least in one other sermon I think it was October or November when I was talking about that. Mm-hmm. Probably October because I was out most of November. It still feels true. Our circle yeah. of care is shrinking, but our circle of outrage is is expanding exponentially. So with that in mind, Paul's seemingly innocuous command, do all things without grumbling or disputing, 
is instead not innocuous but absolutely necessary because we kind of suck at this right now. We are grumbling and complaining all the time. And if this were an hour sermon instead of a half an hour sermon, I would have qualified that to say, you know, there, there can be good grumbling and complaining, at least in the connection that if something's going wrong, you need to speak truly about what's, sure. what's going wrong. That that That's not what's in view here. It's more the grumbling and complaining that you shouldn't do because that's really all it is, grumbling and complaining. But what if we lived in a world where there is actually less of that and if the reality of the Holy Spirit cultivating his fruit in our lives draws us away from grumbling and complaining, then it's not unbelievable to say that what the world needs is more Christians. Boom! Good stuff. Roasted! <laughs> we just got the, our Peacock s- subscription fired up, so I watched The Office with Clara Did you? Night. Yeah. <laughs> Does she like it? See, it, just the first, she's never seen it. Yeah, I know. Season she's one, episode like one. I think she's finally ready. Yeah. I, I was against it earlier, like Season five one, episode ago. one. So yeah, it was good. I, I get annoyed by the first episode because it just apes word for word the pilot episode that. for right. the UK, UK office. It was not, so the UK office did not give them a blue apron meal of some ideas and things to do for their <laughs> pilot. It was just word for word. Yeah. yeah. Not quite as, it didn't, it didn't hit as well. Did Clara like it though? She was laughing. Okay. That's usually a good sign. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um. We got Peacock for me so that I could watch The Traders, if anyone out there is a reality TV I, I lose track of your reality TV shows. It's so interchangeable and disposable. Unlike my media really consumption, good. it's meaningful and substantial and lasting. I mean, I would argue that it is. So <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not holding fast to my reality TV um, bent at all. I, I enjoy your reality TV. Do you? Like, I do. <laughs> because you get Peacock out of it. Everybody's hobbies. Um, Barman cover tunes, can we move on? Or did you have any last words? This relate. Well, let, let's bridge it by my noting the Nietzsche quote. Uh-huh. Talked you, at, the, I, at the end of the I sermon. I realized I couldn't spell Nietzsche, which was Oh, I can't spell it either. Okay, well, uh, that's good. Yeah, so, and I, I... But I have it written here. N-I-E... T Z S C H E. Yeah, I was wrong. Yeah, yeah, that's that, that's a wheel of fortune nightmare, right, <laughs> right, right there. But Fred, Frederick Nietzsche, nineteenth-century philosopher and trenchant critic of Christianity, uh, I I like Nietzsche a lot, even though we're very different from from one another. He's one of those. There are some critics of Christianity over the years that I think are bad in the sense of like their arguments are lame they they don't give christianity a fair shake it's a lot of straw men mm-hmm. what they're saying can be easily be rebutted by anybody and they're blustering and they're angry and you know nietzsche might not have been fun to hang out with but he was a really good writer and had his finger on the pulse with a lot of different things that christians should think more about including this Christians would have to sing better songs for me to learn to have faith in their Redeemer, and his disciples would have to look more redeemed. Right, so I was, speaking of bar band cover tunes, yeah. I was wondering if this was underhanded, uh, an underhanded slight against oh, Christian music. No. <laughs> I mean, the German music at that time period, right? Like, that's the traditional German hymns. That was the good stuff. That, like, yeah, that we love, right? So Yeah. Who knows? Who, who knows what songs he was hearing from 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 okay, Christians or them, then, or what was on top forty radio? Were you sliding your own singing voice? 
I definitely Which not. is kind of problematic. <laughs> at least when you're singing on a podcast solo. <laughs> I, I don't think it's problematic at all. The point being from the Nietzsche quote was that Christians just seem miserable themselves, so why should I consider Christ? Uh, they're not living with joy. They talk about mm-hmm. a redeemer, but they're not acting as if they're redeemed. And the stuff that they do doesn't look life-giving even to them. Why should I take Christianity seriously myself? Which I think is a great criticism to, point, to, 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 to keep in mind. And yeah, if you believe in Jesus, live like it. Mm-hmm. Live with more joy. Live with more fruit of the Spirit. And don't, don't be the same cantankerous, grumpy human being that you're surrounded by all the time anyway. Right. But, and I would caveat and say... But that doesn't mean like just faking joy or peace or Fair. whatever. But so, like some of the best witness I feel like I've been able to have is by acknowledging the concept of sin sure. and everyone's sinfulness and messed up nature yeah. um, and our need for grace, like our collective need for grace. That's actually like the day by day grace that, yeah, I, I have found that like much more shocking to people in this area than if I were to just always be happy. Well, I think there's a, there's a way that we acknowledge that there is people, there's a smell test issue. People can sense fake joy and real joy and the difference, the difference between them. So no, Paul is not talking about fake joy as a missional, as a missional value. He's talking about the genuine article. And I think people do respond to folks that have an anchor in joy in Christ while acknowledging the brutality of, of the world at the same time. So, right. so one doesn't eliminate the other and both is best. For sure. Um, yeah. Cool things. What else, what other bar band cover tunes? So again, you were trying to be general. So did you throw in any other specific references in your outline? Like I, I could, I, have I had, I had Goheen, Nietzsche. Michael Goheen. I had Nietzsche and I had Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter, Crisis of Confidence. It did you throw that in for all the Liberty Pastors? I did. <laughs> why why, why wouldn't I? I'm just curious. No, that's fine. Did you throw in the Jabrini? What is... I, I was like, oh. I have no idea what a Jabrini is. So, yeah, that, that was just for fun. That And that was not what, what we sent on to, to, to other people. What is and, a Jabrini? Uh, jabroni. Jabroni. It's, it's a fake Italian term for dummy. Yeah, what... So, yeah, that, that, that was just for fun. Us bozos, losers... Hunters, uh, British do criticism know, do people know of that origin, Schlemiel's, and then jabronis. The one thing about punters is that I had to double check. I thought I knew what it meant, but then I went to Urban Dictionary to make sure that it wasn't Listen. something much, much worse than <laughs> I, than I It's like, hey, what, what did that Jim just... That would be a just, fun uh, slip-up. What, what did Jim just call me? So, yeah, we're, we're all losers. And then also I had one more serious one when we had... Bible, Daniel 12, Galatians 5 for the Spirit, mm-hmm. and then other references to Philippians 2. I was disappointed that I stumbled on this, on this guy's name, Marcus Minucius Felix. Why couldn't I say that on Sunday morning? I don't know, because you, like, blamed Latin, but I knew that that wasn't a, like, you're actually, like, deeply embedded in Latin was in ironic. scary ways. <laughs> so, beauty of life causes strangers to join the ranks. Same idea, the, the beauty of the Christian life is designed to be alluring to those outside of the 
faith. And I, I, I should be clear as well that both the Felix quote and the Nietzsche quote I actually got from the Michael Goheen book. Okay. So nice. Light, Light to the Nations. So, so at different parts of the Light to the Nations book, he referenced Felix and Nietzsche as historical examples of people Got that it. were onto this, on, onto this same idea. Okay. So, mm-hmm. yep. And then, you know, the other random things. Your Philly sports fun, fun to reference. Iverson and the Sixers, McNabb and the Eagles. And then your Phillies joke got, then, a, got at a the Phillies laugh. expense. That's right. Which is ironic because the Phillies are actually doing great right now. But in the... Philly when, when we moved to Someone Philly in 99, 2000, that, that was what, the Veterans Stadium was still around. And at 15th and Lombard, we were on the Broad Street line that went straight to the stadium. So that's when I began sitting in the 700 level of the vet, which were $4 tickets. <laughs> and, <laughs> were they really? Yeah. And, and it was mostly empty. So you could, you could move down, but, mm-hmm. but, but there was something... The whole, sort of like when you look out into the ocean and feel the smallness of self and the vastness of the world, that's similar to being on the 700 level of Veteran Stadium where where there are ants down there. So, yeah. I did like the concept also about like Christianity being a fandom. A better fandom. Where like it's true. Like you just, it, that, that makes more sense. Um, the kind of attraction that Christianity should have. Like, it should be innately drawing people. The Holy Spirit should be working to draw people because of the character of the fans and the character of what they're fanning over. Right. In fact, by way of biography, the job that you held previously last year, you were market researching fandom. (laughs) It was great. Anyway, um... What am I saying? So, Barbara Covered Tunes, Guitar, Slim Pickens, any leftovers or stories behind this sermon? We have emptied the cupboard. I'm excited to hear feedback from the other Liberty Pastors and Churches that will be doing these same sermons. And I think it has potential to, you know, maybe make a annual rhythm when we'll write a, a few. To, and we could also pass the writing hat around. There's nothing magical about sure. me being the one to to get a sermon well, out there or, the or, or, right, or, or matter veto. And it would be fun to, to, to share voices and share some labor or not. And maybe all of like, this. maybe people, I could see people bristling also against the idea of like preaching someone else's sermon. So, well, we made it, we made it optional. Not, right. not, not, no, mandatory. I'm not saying, I'm just saying like, I could see it. I could see it as you, as you're saying, like it's an experiment and not right. a, like, so I could see it going the other direction, yeah. and that would be fine to me. My my one personal reluctance is that, if I mentioned earlier, M, that for every sermon, we're sending out audio recording, editable manuscript, detailed outline, and additional notes. None of those four things is actually what I used to preach from, so it's mm, going to be mm-hmm. more work for me than I think the average pastor to translate. Right. Vito's sermon is great, but... I don't think it's going to be a ton of net gain hours wise because I'm going to have to like put, oh, put your own spin on or mm-hmm. not not even the rewriting part or editing but as, as, I, as I hold up my notes sure. I'm going to have to figure familiarize out. yourself with someone else's uh, yeah yeah and that actually like you might not be the only one who faces that too so yeah. if there's if there is zero gain then maybe it's not worth it for the person 
like making those resources. So yeah, there, there, there's part of me that doesn't want to put together that Google survey afterwards and ask people in case the feedback is negative and just assume that it's awesome. So we'll see if that happens. <laughs> but like, if you don't hear the negative feedback, then like maybe you'd be spinning wheels and like it really would like for yourself if it's taking more time to preach someone else's sermon. I don't know. I like your sermons. Office reference. I thrive on constructive criticism. <laughs> I don't know your uh, office references. Ryan Howard, I think. Way back in the day. Um, I don't Head injury is worse than a foot injury. So have Helen Wolves been writing in? It's been like a month and a half. Uh, we had some in December. Not yet in January, uh-huh. Helen Wolves. Let's fire up the system again. So we are coming at you with new podcasts. You do your part to write in. Right. Postsundayblues at gmail.com. I finally real- I'm kind of realizing like I have neither told my sister that I was in Mexico nor did- nor that I oh. um, sprained my ankle and was in Mexican virgin care. So, um, uh, yeah, that's that's my, one of my trivia facts. I probably need to text her right now so she hears it before she <laughs> hears true. it on this podcast. Yeah, the funny thing about that is Mexican Urgent Care was a name of a cover band that I was in in high school, but little did oh, I know stop. that all those years later, that is exactly where we were. <sighs> but again, the Cruque Roja, the Red Cross in downtown Cancun, was spectacular, genuinely. Um. And with that, how was it? That was amazing. Thanks so much for joining us. This has been the Post-Sunday Blues, a preaching post-mortem, a production of Liberty Collingswood. Go ahead, rate, review, and subscribe, and you can find all things Liberty Collingswood at libertycollingswood.org. No more Post-Sunday Blues. Here comes some pre-Sunday happy. Oh, uh, why don't you try to use the mute button?